This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the final episode of our Slayers series, everyone. We'll be getting to the phenomenal discussion with Spencer Campbell shortly, but we have a very special call to action coming up at the end of the episode, so you might want to take a listen to the sorts of things we'll be covering. After the show, you can join us for a very important announcement about our upcoming fifth year anniversary celebration uh, starting in April. So part of this celebration will be a Patreon drive and we will have some really interesting incentives if you sign up during this time. You definitely 100% do not want to miss Uh, what sorts of things we'll be offering. We'll also be going over it in our newsletter, so there'll be info on how to sign up for that as well. Um, Also, there's the usual patron thank yous, as well as a brand new review. It's a lot to do. Lots to do. It is a packed call to action today, but it is going to be full of excitement because we are both very excited for all of this. Until then, enjoy the rest of the series, everybody. To our discussion episode. Last time, we finished our session zero for Slayers. This episode, we will be discussing the character creation process. We are excited to welcome back Spencer Campbell. Uh, do you want to reintroduce yourself to everyone at home? And please tell us about the character you made in our last episode. Sure. So I'm Spencer Campbell. You might know me uh, under the name Gila RPGs. I'm on Twitter. I publish under all that sort of stuff. Uh, I'm excited to be back here talking about some more Slayers. Uh, the character that I made, I made a tactician uh, from the, the bunch last time. My character's name, surprise, surprise, is Rasp. The name I use <laughs> on literally every character everywhere all the time. Uh, Rasp is a tactician, like I said. They are kind of uh, on the younger side, scrappier side. They they aren't like that grizzled old veteran who knows how to conduct 
a good fight in a clean way. I think Rasp mostly knows how to conduct fights in dirty fighting. Um, and so that's why my skills kind of reflect that in that I have high points in tactics because I'm a tactician, but also in streets uh, and stealth, meaning I think Rasp has largely figured out how to fight by watching other people fight and has decided to take some of that observational learning and bring it to fellow slayers to be like, this is how we could fight if we wanted to fight a little dirty here. Here's how we can mm-hmm. do it. Um, and then I think that's why one of the advances I took from my character is the weakened one where I can actually do a lot of things that make enemy roles worse rather than making you all better. I just make the enemies worse. And I think that's a lot of me throwing pocket sand, you know, a lot of me distracting yeah. enemies by doing uh, not so clean fighting rather than giving you all the pat on the back to boost your skills. I mean, unlike me, who just like does damage to our team, like. You, you damage the enemies uh-huh. and I just also damage our friends. <laughs> it's just damage up and down all right. day. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Ryan, do you want to tell everybody about your character? All right. So I compromised with an AU version of Lena Inverse for those familiar with the Slayers anime series, which I thought was very fitting for a game of the same name. Um mm-hmm. And I, I created the blade, uh, somebody that is just going to wreck single opponents every round. Um, uh, Lena has, uh, she is a fiery redhead uh, who wears a dramatic outfit with a cape. Of course. Um, of course. I can't believe uh, anybody would even try to imagine this character without a cape. I know, right? It's ridiculous. You're wrong, everyone. Uh-huh. You're wrong. Straight up yeah. wrong. Um. And I would say that her sword is like uh, thin and elegant and and like really good in an agile hand because uh, she is uh, her best stat is uh, best skill is agile uh, with a ten and then uh, an eight in hunt and study. So I, I kind of think she likes she likes the thrill of the hunt. She likes studying and learning about the things that she's going to fight, um, and and she's she's really good at it. So uh, that's kind of like where I'm going with that. Um, and uh, she she likes also to uh, help her companions up on the front lines with her uh, be able to defend themselves better with one of the advancements that she took, the defender advancement. And of course, since she's up there with Amelia's character, which we'll find out about in a second, um, I also took the hardy advancement so I can just take all more of that corrupted damage. <laughs> Uh, every single round, so might as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, Amelia, uh, tell us about your character. Uh, my character's name is Clemency. Clem for short. Um, I picked the Arcanist uh, character type. You know, my, my style I wrote vaguely unsettling. Uh, because <laughs> I, the Arcanist is someone whose power is also slowly destroying them. Uh, love corruption. Big fan of corruption. Um, so one of the spells I took was uh, Corrupting Wave, which uh, lets me just release a wave of corruption to everyone around me, um, including my friends. <laughs> so I, I did enhance that one so that um, my allies will only take one damage instead of the amount of damage that I am doing to everyone else. You're welcome. Um <laughs> 
Very generous I, of you. I know. I know. <laughs> I I love that we have like the tactician moving everything around. We have this blade that's very good at like one-on-one precise agility. And I'm like, just blow it all up, man. Just yep. like just <laughs> what if we all destroy felt pain? everything, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Right. Look, if everyone's dead, the monsters are in fact also dead. <laughs> the job is so, done. <laughs> you know, I'm going to need you to be a little more clear on the instructions next time. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I also have fear cloud, which lets me plant the worst fears into the minds of my enemies. Um, I have mend because I don't know. Like, I guess I probably should help out some people somehow, especially if I'm the one hurting them. Maybe I should also be able to fix them. Um, and then I also have siphon because I'm. I'm a real creep, um, which lets me drain the life force directly from my foes and make it my own. Um, and then, like I said, I did I did take an advance to help me not hurt Ryan as much. Um, and then I also took um, Boon, which lets me boost a spell with a D8 instead of a D6. So I can be a little more more likely to hit if I decide to boost my spells. Nice. Yeah. Um, I guess I should say that I I, I increased my um, my deceive skill up to a d10, and then uh, put mend and uh, what was the other one? Mend and negotiate up to an eight. So awesome. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. this group. Both of you being wonderfully careful, and me just <laughs> bull in a china shop. Uh huh. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Ah. Uh. Well, let's go ahead and dive right into a segment that we're calling D20 for your thoughts. D20 for your thoughts. So in this segment, we talk to our guests about their thoughts on this character creation process, um, how it relates to the system, how it relates to other games. We just had you on not that long ago. I think it was July. Um, So we can't ask you our our standard (laughs) question anymore. Um, so we came up with a different one. Where do you tend to find your inspiration for your hundreds of projects <laughs> that you have going at any given moment? Do you like how that was a question and also a call out at the same yeah, time? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel very seen it's right very now. passive aggressive. Uh, what's, what's wrong with you? Why can't yeah, that's you really, stop? Ryan, can we put that question in our outline now for people like, what's... I do. We What's always have that deal? question of like, how did you end up here? Is sort of our like standard. How did you get into role playing game just, books? And so many people are like, oh, how did it come to this? Just turn it into. Are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, buddy, how you doing? Uh, um, yeah, I, I got a lot of spinning plates at uh, uh, at all times. Um, I, it wasn't always like this, but uh, it has kind of rapidly accelerated in the last year or two where I've just kind of really leaned into this design thing because it has been, uh, you know, I never really did a lot of it. And then I kind of dipped my toes into it and then I became obsessed with it. And yeah. like many things I do, I just go all in once I go, I'm into this uh, as as anybody, if you could see my desk, it's covered in hundreds of Netrunner cards because Logan Dean was like, hey, do you want to play Netrunner? And I said, sure. And now I have way too many Netrunner cards. So, <laughs> it's um, a slippery slope. It's dangerous. Yeah. Um, so I guess in terms of inspiration for my my games, I mean, it's, it's no surprise or secret that video games are obviously a, a big inspiration for a lot of stuff that I do. So, you know. Lumen, the Lumen system that I created was specifically designed to recreate that 
kind of power fantasy looter shooter genre that I find mm. particularly fun. Or even mm. just kind of like action games. So like Diablo is even sort of something that I would consider something that feels very Lumen-like where your character is especially good at like four things and you get to keep pushing the button that says I'm doing something spectacular and cool mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. Um, and I like that feeling. And I'm not particularly as an RPG player or designer into like heavy simulation of reality uh, because I have to live in reality and I would like to live somewhere else when I play I a game. I do that every day. Right. <laughs> I, as our discussion talked about earlier, I don't really want to test my ability to climb a wall every uh, couple of feet to see if I'm Roll still climbing Roll for lactic it. acid. Right. I just, <laughs> I just want to climb the wall, please. Um, so for me, I look to games that allow you that sense of just feeling good and cool and and being spectacular. And so video games are kind of a natural escape for me and many people to do that very thing. And mm -hmm. um, for me, I have always wanted to bring some of that element back to the table because I think video games are by and large understood by a much larger audience. And I can I can convince people to try an RPG if I can say, if you like this thing or if you're mm -hmm. into this kind of play, uh, if this makes you excited, I've got something that I think you could try that you would be able to understand pretty quickly, learn pretty quickly and dive into it. So mm -hmm. for me, it's taking that kind of like high octane, but also highly, ex usually highly accessible uh, access of that video games give us and bringing that into a tabletop game where it is, you can learn the game really quickly. You've made a character really quickly and your character could be exceptionally good at a couple of things and every time you do them you feel very good while you're doing it yeah yeah absolutely so that's well, i mean that's probably pretty much it if i or or the other answer is uh crows crows are my other biggest form of uh inspiration <laughs> where uh, yeah. i just really like crows and so most of my games have something that is crow related in it usually mm. uh an enemy or in corporate court you just are crows doing crime right because i like crime and crows and sometimes these things need to be put together yeah. I mean, I think everybody has their thing, you yeah. know? Mm -hmm. I mean, Ryan and I certainly do. Yep. And you're just like, okay, but what if this game, but then my thing? Like, yeah. right. you know, like, like how can we make every character a magical girl or yep. a necromancer or, you know? And I think like, every game is better for that. I like what I like and I, <laughs> right. I know who I am and what I'm about, yeah. okay? That's, like, let, let me make my thing. Right. Yep. So when yeah. I make games, I go like, I know what I like to do. I know what I like to do when I'm playing games. I'm going to make things that cover that. And then if you want to yeah. do other things, you, you can figure it out at your table. This is what I enjoy doing. And so my games, yeah. I think, very clearly are representations of what Spencer Campbell enjoys doing when he's at the table playing a game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which I think we need. We need that in creative spaces. And I think that's something that it certainly for us millennials has not necessarily been a thing that we can really pursue is just doing something because it's fun for you mm -hmm. and it's silly and it makes you happy. Um, that not everything needs to be something that everyone else will love. Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes it is, that's really cool. Sometimes you make something and other people are like, yeah, that's awesome. I love it. Um, but it doesn't have to be. And sometimes all the inspiration you need is just to be like, I think it's cool. Right. Like <laughs> that's enough inspiration. That's, that, that's mm -hmm. great. Run with it. Be happy. Yeah. Do your thing. Absolutely. 
other sources of inspiration, guesting on character creation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, thanks yeah. a lot. Thanks. Now that I'm working on Nova Mars, uh, that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's actually a fair point. Is like truly, honestly, anytime I get to sit down and talk to somebody about these things, it inevitably plants a seed of wanting to do something else with that thing or creates a new idea. So, mm-hmm. I mean, just talking with people is inspiration on its own. I Design can be a very lonely thing if you're doing it by yourself, but mm-hmm. even just like the earliest sharing of things and seeing that it just suddenly sparks a totally different way that you might see something is um, a huge point of inspiration. That's why I do a lot of my design live on Twitch is I, I, I do my design streams because I find talking out loud helps me to mm-hmm. articulate my ideas. But then also on the off chance that there's anybody watching or hanging out in chat, sometimes I get people talking back and, and giving ideas or, or responding to thoughts that I put on the page. And immediately that starts getting the ball rolling, you know, maybe in a direction that I hadn't been thinking about. And so um, I, I really enjoy doing the the public design like that because it's yeah it's just a it's a fun way to do sort of a collaborative process mm-hmm. or even just um, a, a means of sparking inspiration in unexpected ways. Yeah, I mean, I think we're finding that too with our stuff is that because we're putting it out and people are listening to our episodes that occasionally we'll have people in our discord that are like, oh, this made me think of this thing. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, yeah, I didn't see it that way. Um or, you know, in the opposite way, we've had a couple of people say like, oh, this um, this reminded me to kind of dust off that old project that I had started working on before. And hmm. so now I'm going to work on that now. And that always feels really good, too, is to be like, even if nothing comes from my thing, it's really cool that somebody else started now and mm-hmm. is making something. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. I love like collaborative design work, even if it's just bouncing ideas off of somebody else. Like, it's so cool to just. Because everybody thinks so differently. And we talked about that with, um, you know, the the different character types that people are making for Slayers, too. Mm-hmm. And just the way other people see the things that you've made mm-hmm. or approach things from a totally different way. It's really cool to interact with that stuff and be like, I, I didn't even see that as an option. Mm-hmm. Like, my brain didn't even know you could do that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, last time, uh, Spencer, we asked you about character creation. Uh, this time, I would like to ask you about world building. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're big fans of collaborative world building uh, during Session Zero. Uh, and you have created so many different settings. Um, what do you enjoy most about building your own worlds? And, and what about the process draws you to it? Mm, wow. Uh, I mean, I, world building is super, super fun to me. It's, it's, a, it's a hard line to walk because like there's a part of me that just wants to go super deep when I make a world that like just make everything, like write it all out. And I think mm-hmm. when I did, especially when I was an early GM, you know, GMing fantasy campaigns, I would have like whole worlds mapped out and would let, you know, see what the players do as they explore this world. Um, and that was very fun for a while. But then we would start to change the way that we would play where we wouldn't have the map painted in, but we would have just a couple things and then the map would get painted together at the table. And I realized that was infinitely more fun to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So world building is one of those things that I really, really enjoy, but I'm not necessarily always doing or representing a lot of it in the games themselves. I, I like to give you a sense of what the setting is 
because Mm -hmm. I have extreme faith that tables will always come up with something better than I can come up with when it comes to a lot of this stuff or something that Mm -hmm. is at least better suited to what they are all interested in. So that if Mm -hmm. I'm like heavily prescriptive about what a setting is supposed to be, that might just completely turn you off from even wanting to engage with the game. But if I give you like a vague idea of what the setting is like and then say, there's a lot of unknowns out here and you get to kind of fill those in, that's um, that's that's fun for people. They, they, you know, they, they, they get to do the world building, the thing yeah. that I'm having so much fun doing mm-hmm. on my own. So, um, and that is both like a process that is very exciting to me, but it's also very hard for me to not like over design a world because there is that part that just wants to like, Oh, I've got pages and pages and pages of world that I want to share with you. And I'm, I'm, I'm reaching a stage now as a, as a designer where I'm starting to want to introduce more of that stuff in other ways. So like in supplements that maybe provide like short flash fiction or, you know, little stories or, or Mm -hmm. supplements that give you, okay, if you enjoyed the core book and that gave you a vague idea and you made the world your own, but you want to know a little bit more and you want to know a little bit more about how Spencer sees it, here's Mm -hmm. some supplements that are going to give you like a, um, a little bit deeper time. So like, in Nova, I have supplements planned for each of the enemy factions that will teach you a lot more about what they're like, at least from how I perceive them. And then you can yeah. go like, oh, you know, this is how we perceive the Hellions, but here's this book and here's another way that we could think about it. And as an as a optional supplement, I'm not telling you your Hellions have to behave this way in Nova. I'm mm-hmm. saying here's Spencer Campbell's interpretation of the world uh, and and do with it what you will. So um, I'm finding that um, kind of sprinkling lore or world building in things that are not in the core book is probably the the best way for me to do it so that I still leave those holes at the table without Mm -hmm. having to say, this is the way the world works. Yeah. I like like games that have some of that kind of flexibility, the like the way this one does with the different districts and things that like there are there are options you've written things mm. for for the setting to say like here's some districts that are, there are but there's nothing in there that's like again like I always reference this as a player of L5R a game with like a ton of lore mm. that I remember when I first sat down to play the people that I was playing with being like here's a stack of books to know the world <laughs> and me being like mm, no yeah. I mean, which obviously it, I got drawn in quickly and <laughs> fell down a rabbit hole, but like it's a barrier to entry for a lot of people. And we've talked a little bit about like that executive function and the way that affects games and picking new systems and things like that. When there is mm-hmm. a lot of set lore to a game that sometimes it can be overwhelming. And I, I like the sort of balance that you found in this and in Nova where it's like, we've created some things for you to kind of give you the scaffolding and say, like, this is the kind of tone, the general vibe, like, you know, how to make your own things. Do with that what you want. Mm. Use as much as you want, as little as you want. Here are the tools to do more mm-hmm. if you want to. Um, and I, I find that really helpful in a game that it 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 gives me some creative control, some narrative buy-in. Um, but also, it does provide me with some guardrails to say like to not sit down and you know look at a blank sheet of paper and be like create something Mm -hmm. and i'm like uh anything (laughs) like you know um like my son comes home and he's like we were told to write an essay and i was like about what he goes an essay just told to write an essay and i was like who does that to a child (laughs) no like no no (laughs) like 
but I, I like having that flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I am having a hard time doing it with our own game, being like, no, let's not answer those questions. <laughs> because my <laughs> my desire is to answer those questions. And uh-huh. so it's great as a player. It's really hard as a designer. Because it's so much fun, not, right? You you right. made this cool place. Like you, you've imagined a world in your mm-hmm. head and you want to share that world and you want to live in that world and you want people to live in that world with you. And yet at the same time, you know that if you do that, I mean, just go write a book then. You know, if you really right. want to do that, go write the exactly. novel. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, I mean, yeah. Counterpoint, you get to do playtesting and now you get to make 10 different versions of that world. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's and it's going to be different every single time because if you're playing with different people, there's going to be different ideas thrown in and different interpretations and different perspectives. And and that's that's the beauty of collaborative world building where everybody pulls from their own experiences and puts it into this melting pot to create this like really intriguing place that you can insert your characters into. And every single person at that table has something about that setting that they've bought into because they created it. Right. Right. And we've talked about too, how like in doing that at at a table with your players, they've now handed you all of these different strings that you can pull on to. They oh, yeah. said like, this part of the world is important to me. And you as a GM are like, okay, right. we're going to come back to that. And you just uh-huh. put that in your pocket for later. When right? you need, when yep. you need yep. something to, to, to hook <laughs> that particular player in, you now have that thing. I, right. I, mm-hmm. I've talked about this with a few folks. Like my origin story of play is playing with Chicago improvisers. Um, that's oh, like, yeah. Those are the first people I played with. So the, I can do all the world building I want and it doesn't matter. They're going to they're gonna ruin. They're gonna do yes. their thing and they don't want a pre-written <laughs> script. They want they want a yes and absolutely. But they want a yes and a thing that we have done together rather than me saying, here's your script mm-hmm. improv on top right. of that. Um, and so I, I quickly learned the lesson of, OK, I can over world build, but it's going to it's going to limit the way that the players can feel like they're buying in or i can Mm -hmm. give them lots of holes and they love to fill the holes yeah yeah i mean and that's that is something that's definitely going to depend on the group that you that you play with um because i'm sure that there are some groups that are like i want to show up i want to sit down and i want to play um or you know discover things on my own that i didn't make up myself Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. i can't imagine what it's like to be that kind of person but i'm sure they're out there (laughs) they're out there (laughs) they're out there somewhere (laughs) they're not here but yeah, I, I, I like having that little bit of balance of like, okay, you've kind of set me in a direction, mm. but mm-hmm. no, no, um, left me up to my own devices once I'm there. Um, so we like to talk about the layout and things on character sheets. This is something that I, I did mention one thing while we were doing our character creation. Um, character sheets are the first impression most people have of a game. So what things did you kind of consider as you were doing this? Um, I, I'm interested, especially in this game, because the the character types are so asymmetrical that you couldn't just put the same thing on every sheet and like put a little different logo in the corner yeah. or something like that, <laughs> you know? Um, what things were important? What did you feel like you needed? What things didn't you need? How did you make it all work? All of the questions, please. Yeah, I mean, it's tricky. This is a this is the riddle that Mike Reeman, who did the layout for Slayers, had to figure out, which is, you know, we each class has its own 
set of things that it does, which means they're all going to have a different amount of information that you're going to need. And like you said, the character sheet is the first impression. And it's also like 90% of the stuff that you're going to look at as a player is going to be that sheet. Mm -hmm. And then every the 10% of the time you're looking up something quickly in the book and then going back to looking at your sheet. And so, you know, you need to make sure that the sheet has has what they need readily available. And when everybody has a different amount of information that they need readily available, it it creates a little bit of a a conundrum. You know, thankfully there are there is kind of that DNA that flows through Slayers of like every class has the ready attack and quick action, so we know we need to have that. Every class is going to have mm-hmm. the skills, so we know they need to have that. A name and a style, you know, the the the, the essence of who they are. Um, and so knowing that that is like that's the guaranteed stuff. How much room is left over? to figure out how how much of the unique information we could put in, right? So yeah. the, the Bane table, for example, for the Arcanist, you know, we mentioned that as it's nice to have that on the character sheet because you don't want to roll, see that you've triggered a Bane thing, and then realize you have to go look that up somewhere else. So like we had to figure out a way to make sure that that was there on the sheet. But then that meant that there was less real estate on the sheet for other things. And part of that just comes from play and seeing what people wanted or needed on hand uh, with a given Mm -hmm. class. And then other situations where we're seeing like, okay, they're, they're flipping for this a lot. So how do we make sure that this is like obvious to them or what, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was important for me to have for the gunslinger, the chamber with the, the numbered, uh, you know, to have the, yeah. the, the ammo so that, because I had always imagined the actual gunslinger in real life is putting six D six in a circle. And so I wanted something on the mm. character sheet so that you could actually, put them there on those spots and you could feel like you're literally put picking them up. And is that totally necessary to have on the sheet? No, but to me, that's an important vibe of what being the gunslinger is about. And so, you know, space was given to putting that image there, even though you don't technically need to put it on those spaces. Mm -hmm. I, you know, and so it was an interesting thing. And, you know, Mike had to, had to do some puzzle solving to figure out how to, you know, what what we did have space for and what we didn't have space for. And ultimately, it kind of came down to just seeing what people flipped for the most in books and seeing what they needed and also just what felt like, okay, we absolutely need to have some, some place to put this thing. Um, <laughs> like for the Arcanist, for example, right? You know a bunch of spells, but there's not space on the character sheet to write out what all the rules are for all of your spells. And that's just... Right an inevitability on which you're going to know four spells. They all have a bunch of different effects. And then you're going to learn more spells. And there's just not space on one sheet to have all of that. And so the more important stuff for us was list the spells that you know. Because you only know four, you're probably going to get to know them pretty intimately, pretty quickly. And so um, more so, we needed to make sure that you knew quickly offhand what your actions were, because those are the things that you're doing Mm -hmm. every single turn. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's an interesting thing thinking about character sheets and how you show enough information without it being also overwhelming where there's too much going on. Mm-hmm. And if it becomes busy, it, be, it becomes because I generally think that Slayers is a pretty rules like game. Um, yeah. And so you want a character sheet also that looks like you're 
it's a, it's an approachable game. You don't want mm-hmm. something that looks like there's a lot going on here and I'm I'm struggling to see what my character mm-hmm. actually is. The goal mm-hmm. is to make something that makes you go I immediately get a sense of what I am all about and I have the the widgets and and levers in front of me to pull when I need them. Yeah, for me it's like I'd like it to be clear what things are important, what things I'm going to use the most, like need to know. Um that it's easy to find the things that I need to find. Mm-hmm. So when you say, write this down on your character sheet, that is very clear to me where that's supposed to go. Mm. Um, and, you know, like in the case of the arcanist having that Bane table on there, um, not only does it mean not having to flip to the book, um, which it, it is fine if you have to do it every so often. Um, you know, we talked about you, you kind of do for the spells still anyway. Right. But for me, it's a very visual reminder that there are consequences mm-hmm. to my actions. Because, <laughs> like, not only is there the corruption track that I'll fill up as I go, but the consequences of my actions are right there on the sheet in front of me yeah. to remind me not only are there consequences, here is what they are. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. makes them seem like, you know, from a, a psychological standpoint, it's like they're more real now because they're they're right there. Like, I'm being mm-hmm. told, if you do this... You know, right. you um, can't whereas ignore like, it. I, right. Whereas like, you know, there's a spot for me to write my known spells um, and I can write those down and I'll have to reference what they do and everything. But like, obviously, I know I'm a magic user. I know that my core mechanic is using spells so I can like look those up. But the reminder that like, oh, also it's going to cause problems is also yeah. on that sheet. And that was important to me mm. um, because because that corruption is so important to what yeah. this character does. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because you because all the sheets have that same basic like C shaped layout of like here's your like stats mm-hmm. basically here's your skills mm-hmm. on the left side and then here's your advances at the bottom and then all that right middle bit in that empty space of the C that's all your like really different interesting stuff for each of the classes but it all like looks familiar Mm. between the different sheets so it's not like a well i'm going from a blade to an arcanist and now like the character sheet is completely different because they play completely different you've got the asymmetry of how the class plays but you've got the symmetry of how the sheets are presenting that class yeah which I think is really nice because, like, I can flip to either of your pages and know, like, oh, okay, I know where your passive action is. Mm-hmm. I know where your, like, fun little weird things are hidden um, because it is, yeah, it's that same skeleton and then just what's filled in in the middle is a little yeah. bit different. It also so. makes it easy for people who are making third-party stuff to make something as well because if they know, like, okay, this is the guaranteed information and now this is the bot, this is the zone that I need to fill. What is the unique way that I fill this zone? That way, mm-hmm. you know, you're not making a character sheet from scratch or if if truly every class had a wildly different character sheet, that's that's one more hurdle in front of somebody trying to make something for the game because character sheets are yeah. hard to make. And so yeah. if you have an idea for a class, but then you suddenly realize you have to like from scratch build a character sheet that is modular and works exactly for them and is different than the others. That's that's hard. And so yeah, it helps yeah. it helps to be like, you just need to fill this part of the sheet. The rest of it right. probably pretty similar to what everybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as a player, again, like I said, that that importance to me of knowing where to find the thing that I need. Mm-hmm. Um and knowing that like if I play this game again and I play a different class, like 
oh, okay, I can still I can still find what I need to find, yeah. and I know yeah. where it is. Um, makes it so much easier. It it, it eases the mental burden of doing right. That. Yeah, absolutely. So then, how do we think character creation in Slayer stacks up to other systems that we've played? You know, it's quick. It's quick. It's, <laughs> it's very nice. snappy. It's very I do, I do I do like how because of the the symmetry of the sheets, I feel like I could go to any other class and fill it out just as quickly because it's mm-hmm. it's not too many decisions once yeah. you have your oh, class. I like filled out everybody's while we were going. Mm, I yeah. did everybody's sheets. So yeah, it, and like you said, Spencer. Picking the class, once we did that, you said, well, that's the hardest part of character creation. And I think you're right. Yeah, especially because we had to argue. (laughs) We did have to argue over it. We did. Um, But, like, I can also see, like, going through and playing the same classes different ways, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. having a group of of arcanists or a group of blades or whatever. and, And then maybe a tactician on the back end. Just like go my blade army, mm-hmm. have fun. <laughs> right, uh. <laughs> right. I was thinking that too, because it was like we have there's there's enough different skills that we could put, you know, we could put those like advances in different places and mm-hmm. have higher, you know, higher levels of agility or deception or, you know, and still yeah. come out with very different characters, even though we only made a couple choices. That like if we all wanted to play Arcanists, we could. Yeah. Um, absolutely. You know, really do some corruptive damage. Waves and waves of corruption going off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, which also makes me think of like, how can you break the game min max wise? Mm-hmm. Like with your group setup. Like, what if you had two tacticians and two blades and an arcanist? And it's like now you're getting into the Final Fantasy one problem. Of like, what's the most efficient four mm. class combo I can get to destroy this game, uh, and and that tickles a really <laughs> uh, like nostalgic portion of my brain. I don't feel like that analogy works though, because that game has already been written, and no matter how many times you play it, you're going to come up against the same challenges. Which is the beauty of a role playing game is that I can play it an infinite number of times and my GM can just make different problems. Mm, that's fair. Right? That's so fair. there is no optimal, like this is a thing, this is a philosophical <laughs> thing that we need to, as a hobby, as an industry, understand that there is no optimal way to play anything because we are not on a like straight A, B, or C mm. trajectory. Somebody else mm. can be like, mm, F. I pick option F. <laughs> yeah. And like, now you've ruined the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I, the asymmetry of this really just like, it makes me happy because you can't like optimize a single class and be like, this is, there is no correct, exact, perfect option. Right. And I love that. It makes me happy. It makes me happy that there is a game that's not like, look, if you're going to do this, you're going to pick the fighter because that does the most damage mm-hmm. and you're going to you know, like, no, no, there's no. Just a table of 10 players, five blades, <laughs> five tacticians, each, each paired with the other. <laughs> <laughs> you right. never miss your combo. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
I mean, that, that would, would be, be fun because it would be fun to like play out a story where it's like you have an assigned tactician. You're like, I'm an excellent swordsman, but a terrible decision maker. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, and so you like you need to have like, you know, this is my parent slash guardian mm. uh-huh. <laughs> behind me making the decisions. <laughs> yep. uh, this is my designated adult. And <laughs> it's like it's like Pokemon. Then you're playing the Pokemon and then the tacticians are the trainers. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's like. This, okay. this is, I mean, it's kind of related, but this idea of having like a set pair of classes reminds me of a third party uh, class that Josh Hitty created that is heavily inspired by the locked tomb. So you've got mm. your necromancer cavalier sort of pairing going on. It yes. is like two classes that are intentionally designed to be like. If one if someone's playing one of these classes, somebody should play the other class because right. they just deeply codependent. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. it's very very good if you're in the into the Locked Tomb trilogy. Oh, amazing! I'm gonna have to go look that up. There's too many good third party things out there. There's too many. I know. I know. <laughs> that's that's why I care, that's why I say choosing class is the hardest part because. There's there's the four in the book, but then there's a million others to choose, and, and mm-hmm. it's very hard for me to choose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I like having that that plethora of options. And I, I like, um, with a lot of third-party stuff, the specificity mm. of some of it. The, time, the, the number of people that are like, oh, I'm going to make that for my exact niche. And it may not make anybody else happy. It may not make sense to anybody else. But it is exactly what I want. Mm-hmm. And I love that people are able to do that, that people are doing mm. that. That like somebody out there is like, mm, this is my favorite, very obscure sci-fi book series. Yeah. And I would like to make a character type based on this, you know? If I had the time, I'd be making magical girl classes for every game. <laughs> I know you would. I know. <laughs> I know. We'll just make a whole game of it. I know, right? <laughs> um, how do you feel like the process of making characters in this game kind of sets players up or reinforces the feel of what this game is going to be like. Um, there's a couple of things that come to mind. One is, I think we had these moments when we were doing character creation where we realized the potential of how we can ping off of one another with some of our mm-hmm. things. And that's just mm-hmm. a big way that I think about combat in games, generally speaking, is that, uh, you know, as, as, as was discussed earlier, like if, eventually if we're all doing the same thing, we don't care what the other person is doing in combat, but in the character creation element we are already starting to think about ways that here's what i'm really good at and here's also a way that you can help reinforce what i'm really good at or how i can reinforce what you're really good at and by just having a couple of those advances at the beginning it's immediately giving you that sensation of like oh here's how we're going to work together as as a team uh and Mm -hmm. and so that's one of the things that i really like and then you know, we didn't end up going down the path where you both chose Arcanist, but as we've discussed, like there are, there's enough there that if two people decide to choose the same class between the variety of different things that you're choosing, like your skill dice and then the advances and everything like that, that your classes can deviate. There's a lot of permutations and directions that can go much like the infinite city that can go in many different directions. Mm-hmm. You're, there's a lot of different ways that a blade can manifest or an Arcanist can yeah. manifest. Yeah. Without it being yeah, overwhelming. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I I sincerely love the ability for classes to be able to play off of each mm. other. And I think when we when we talked about Nova, it was one of the first times I think where it really clicked for me what 
I wanted in combat in a game because I don't like combat mm-hmm. in games. Mm-hmm. And in that one, you're like, well, it's like a puzzle. Like we are sol- like we are problem solving and kind of linking pieces. And it was like this light bulb moment for me <laughs> of that's what I want. I want it to not be the one time in a game where we are not working together. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the one time where there are specific turns and that has always bothered me. And so having the the asymmetrical classes, but the way that they key off of each other and mm-hmm. build on each other and work together, really, it, it makes me interested in combat in a way that I almost never, ever am <laughs> in a game mm-hmm. because it. Because it like suddenly ruins everything that I like about role playing games when it's like, okay, it's my turn and I hit it. And the thing I do, like maybe made the number go down one when it's your turn, but like it didn't do anything for mm-hmm. you really. Mm-hmm. You know, you're still interacting with this thing on your own. And, so, you know, there are like, you can buff and boost and heal and, you know, but like the number of times we really do that is not that much. Right. Um, and so I, I just really, I like when things go together. <laughs> yeah. Like when everyone, I like when everyone works together and is friends. <laughs> <laughs> or not friends. I like when we all don't work together and are not friends too. Mm-hmm. But only on purpose. Because <laughs> yeah. well, it, it, it avoids a lot of the like, I I only care about what I'm doing on my turn. Mm-hmm. Right. right. And every exactly. other turn, I'm spaced out. Right. Right. Like just waiting for five minutes to get it on the table and they'll be like, well, who's left standing? Yeah. Uh, and you're like, I, look I up from your phone. Like what? Right. What do we do? Right. Where's how many HP left? Right. What do we have to exactly. Do? Okay. Uh, or the, or the cleric that are throwing their spell slots at damage spells when they should be healing. Right. You know, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Like, exactly. oh, the, the barbarians at one HP. Well, I'm going to smite it again. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that it it keeps me interested in what you're doing because it's different than what I can do. I like that, you know, what you're doing potentially can change what I do on my turn. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, so I want to watch what you're doing and see like, is this going to help me? Is it going to hurt me? Yeah. You know, like you're you're watching mm-hmm. me to be like, okay, do, do, am I about to lose some HP here? Because she's, <laughs> yeah. you know, There's ruining everything. Be an like, right, yep. right. And so I think that makes it way more interesting for me as a player. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think then, Spencer, is one of the biggest flaws of character creation in this system? And also, what is one of your favorite parts? Um, I think there, there's a pretty big obvious, there's like a, a pretty big obvious flaw to me. And it's something that I addressed in another, another Slayer's product later, um, in that all the character creation stuff is largely and because the game is largely focused on combat is about combat stuff. So it is about mm-hmm. how does your monster hunter fight monsters and mm-hmm. in a setting where there's this kind of infinite city in all these different districts, which has an, an implication that there's all these different factions and, you know, different cultural backgrounds that your character be coming from. That stuff is largely not addressed um, in character mm-hmm. creation. And then on top of that, your character largely doesn't have a lot of things that they do when they're not in combat, right? Like we kind of just mm-hmm. rely on the skills that do the things. And then all the really fun buttons that you get to push are buttons that you push during combat. Um, And so there is kind of a, there's a lack of support in the character creation and just kind of generally of like, what interesting things do we get to do when we're not in combat? Because you're not constantly fighting monsters. Um, Mm -hmm. So 
I made a game called Drifters, which is a Slayer's hack that is in a Weird West setting, and all the characters are different guns, weird cursed Voidborn guns. Um, mm. But there is a second part to your character creation that is your background, who you were before you picked up your Void gun, and it changed you. Mm. Um, and you have powers that that feel cool that you get to do that are in the non-combat side of things how you interact and explore and investigate the world um and mm. that that two-part character where you get to reinforce the stuff that you're doing when you're outside of combat um is something that's just it's, it's simply missing in slayers um and that's because mm -hmm. when i designed it i was designing it as a monster hunting game and so it does the okay. monster hunting really good and the character creation clearly reinforces that it doesn't reinforce as much mechanically the non-monster um, hunting stuff. And that's just because right. to me, and as we've kind of discussed here, that's the part of role-playing that can oftentimes be like the wheels, like we suddenly just kind of break in terms of our the pacing of the session or the fun or the buy-in mm -hmm. can suddenly change a lot if combat feels like like a drag. And so I want yeah. to, right. you know, to me, I got to make that part the fun part. And because I have largely faith that you will be able to make the not combat stuff fun mm -hmm. on your own. And for some people, right. that's cool. And for other people, they like to have a little bit more that they can chew on mechanically outside of combat. And I totally understand that. And that's just not yeah. the stuff that's in the Slayer's character creation stuff. Yeah, I think there's enough D&D &D APs out there that we're we're pretty well aware that you can like tell a story even when a game doesn't give you any help telling a story yeah like, right and that's <laughs> we've why, learned that less. yeah that's yeah that's why there's the whole like failure with weight thing right because to me mm -hmm. like we're not picking up the dice a lot when we're not in combat unless we really feel like we need to but we can mostly mm -hmm. rely on our ability to talk to each other and, and tell a story together to mm -hmm. handle the stuff that's outside of combat but again i i know people who are like i wish i had uh, a faction mechanic where I, I, I interacted yeah. with a certain thing or, you know, a bonds mechanic that we see in like PBTA mm -hmm. games. And like, yeah, I get that. It's just not, <laughs> it's not what Slayers is, is all about. Mm -hmm. right. Like when I, right. when I ask people like, Hey, do you want to see more Slayer stuff? And people are like, yeah, I want to see like social stuff and how to do like a shopping episode. And I'm like, I don't want to do any of that. <laughs> That's not the stuff that I'm making. <laughs> like what if a different way to use a gun? Though? Yeah. Right. And so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's, the game is designed to do what it is designed to do. And I, mm -hmm. again, going back to my origins of playing with improvisers, I kind of have just had to learn that, like, well, you can figure it out. <laughs> as yeah. as Chris right. Bizet says a lot, uh, I trust you. Uh, I trust you mm -hmm. that you'll you'll be able to, to, to do this. So, um, yeah. yeah, that would be well, a weak so part, I would say. Yeah, it's also interesting because you're you're coming from that inspiration from video games, mm -hmm. and it feels very video gamey. Like this is the mechanics of how to do things in the game, mm -hmm. and all that social stuff. Well, you're just making that up because you know there's yeah, you no go there's no dialogue pick, trees, right? Mm -hmm. Well, like, and even if you do pick a dialogue tree, like mechanically, like yeah. you know, you're not you're not really doing a whole lot with that. Like, yes, your stats may be kind of effective, but like we do have dice that we can roll for those things. Right. You know, mm -hmm. like I have a good score and negotiate. So like I can do those things. And um, not every game is going to do everything. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, a, a lot of times, when we, especially when we have designers on, they're like, well, a flaw of the game is that it doesn't really do this thing. And it's like, well, that's not really a flaw. Mm -hmm. That's just a thing that this game wasn't built for. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. 
you know, that's okay. Yeah. I, and that wasn't, that wasn't what you were trying to do. Right. That's, you know, so the flaw really is that you as a player picked up this game that doesn't do the thing that you were trying to do. Like the flaw is that you picked the wrong game. So I, I do wish in it. That sounds like a you problem. Yeah. Maybe you should check yourself. Uh, I do. I know in, you know, the more I talk about the setting of Slayers and I find it interesting and people kind of like buy into it and they think it's very cool. I do wish that, and maybe this is what Slayers 2.0 will eventually be, is that there is more mm-hmm. elements that brings in the city and the setting itself into yeah. mm-hmm. the character creation. Um, you know, even just simply adding things like what district are you from? Right. Because right. that immediately starts to tell us about what are some of the districts that are at play um, or that are maybe not at play because you're, you're banned from that district. And that's why, you know, right. you know yeah. that helps us start to imagine what the map of our city looks like. And, you know, otherwise it's just the GM that's kind of giving you, all right, here's the next block of the city that you're uh, encountering. It, even that alone would be an, a, a good way to just get people to understand, ah, it's an infinite city. There's an infinite number of possible places that we could come from. Here's where my person yeah. is from. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit of like, okay, what does that, you know, tell me about my player? What does that, what does that tell me about like the way my character interacts with Ryan's character? Mm-hmm. So we talked about, mm-hmm. you know, the possibility of like going into districts and having them be like, I'm sorry, we only do humane catch and release with our monsters here. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and if, if, you know, Ryan's character comes from a place like that. And I'm like, oh, I come from a place where we just burn it all to the ground. Right. Yeah. Like, what is that? What does that do for our interaction with each other, too? Like, mm-hmm. you know, do you even want to be in a group with me? Like, you know, yeah. where and now you're experiencing me burning everything to the ground, including you. And you're yeah. like, this is why my people hate you. And <laughs> like, you know, what does that do for our group dynamic, too? Um, yeah. It could certainly be fun to explore. Yeah. Um, and you know that's one of those again, yeah. Maybe in a two point yeah, right. Um, right. I like what you have here. I do. <laughs> I do. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I think that's just one of those like, this doesn't do that. It'd be cool if something did at some sure. point. Sure. Yeah. But exactly. It's okay. Yeah. And you know, have fun doing that at your table if you right. want. Exactly. Right. Right. <laughs> so, so, what's your favorite part, Spencer? Um, I mean, I mean, two two things. One is the speed. It's quick, and I like I like quick character creation. I like character creation mm-hmm. that we get done. You know in a couple of minutes and then we can start playing right away. That's a, a big part mm-hmm. of playing games to me is that we're not spending a lot of time in prep, uh, that we're, yeah. we're, we're hitting the table or the dice are hitting the table pretty quickly. The, the other big part, and this is, you know, kind of like what Ryan is into is that min maxing part. There is the part for me that likes to look at the weird combination of advances, not only within my class, but across classes to think of the, mm-hmm. because inevitably every time I play Slayers or I talk to people or I watch people play Slayers, they have found a weird combination of an advance in one class and how it interacts with what a, another class can do that makes a thing happen that I, I couldn't anticipate. And mm-hmm. um, that that's always the fun part for me, right? Like that's why Nova is designed about mods and you're just mod, you know, you're modulating what your character is good at rather than getting more things. You're, you're modulating how your character does the things that you're already very good at. Um, Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's thinking about the very weird cross class things that suddenly go, Oh, if I do this and you have this, we have the capacity to do this. And it, and that, that's Mm -hmm. the stuff that I really enjoy during, character those light bulb moments where we suddenly go oh we're gonna be a really cool team because of this yeah mm-hmm. yeah i really like because we've even already had a couple moments of that of like you know you increasing ryan's abilities to 
you know, like explode dice and like continue mm-hmm. rolling and doing those combos and things like that. Um, you know, and, and Ryan being able to sort of like parry and protect me a little bit while I'm doing things. And, mm-hmm. Right. Cause in a party of three, like, we only have two people that are really good at doing damage. So like you two need right. to stay alive. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and, and I, I can see getting really excited as we all kind of advance being like, okay, if I take this and you take mm. this, with our powers combined, <laughs> you know, um, and, and yeah, that, that little, like, again, that, that puzzle thing mm. that mm. just really, really tickles my brain of like, oh, like when the things just fit the way that they're supposed, it's so satisfying to my yeah. brain. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> um, it's time for our fanfic. Mm. So this is the part where we talked about maybe answering some of those questions. Um, Yeah. Ryan, I know you kind of started thinking about this already. I did. Uh, where? Let's see here. Uh, why did you become a slayer? Were you trained if you were trained? Um, where were you trained if you were trained at all? How long have you been doing this? Will it ever end? So, Ryan, I want to hear what your thoughts are since you've kind of kind of thought this through. All right, so so Lena Inverse, uh, she's a real uh, Spitfire go getter uh, type of character. So uh, why did why did Lena become a Slayer? Uh, my answer was to obtain the power to end this curse once and for all. What curse? Of the Infinite City. Ooh, you're trying to make the Infinite City not be infinite. Yeah. Very cool. Stop stop burning all these monsters into this infinite like weirdness. Like can we break can we break out of this cycle? Mm-hmm. Is there a spell powerful enough or a, a technique powerful enough to to end it? And um, what happens is, when it stops growing? Do all the monsters stop? I mean, I don't know. Or do we have an ever expanding amount of monsters and now <laughs> a Static size. Do you see what you've done to us? (laughs) (laughs) Who's to say? Is that the right answer? (laughs) Who's to say? Well, you you don't know. I guess we got to play to find out. out. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We Uh, don't. We don't do that here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no! It's not. I'm sorry. That's going to keep me up all night. (laughs) (laughs) Um. And then where was where was I trained if I was trained at all? Um I I I said I had a swordsman friend uh who passed shortly after training me in the basics. Um and then I I took those basics and honed them into the the blade that I am today. Uh because I've been doing this for the better part of a decade. Right. So uh, I finally got to this point after, you know, 8 to 10 years of uh of effort. Cool. Uh, will it ever end? I said everything must end. It's my goal to break this cycle. Very cool. Mm. Very good. So mm. there you go. <laughs> Never <laughs> you don't know that. You don't know that. I do know that. Because <laughs> I have been like classically trained. Let's say there's some kind of fancy academy in the district that I'm mm. from. Ooh. Um and we have been taught that the city needs to continue to expand because the the monsters are permanent and this is sort of a way of the city saving itself is to continually expand because the monsters will continue to expand no matter what whether the city expands or not and so the let's let's say that this is the doing of this school that I am a part of 
they're the ones that have made the city continually expand as a method to save us. So really, part of my job also is to get you to not complete your mission. Oh. Because I know for a fact, whether you want to listen to me or not, that that is a bad choice. Because all that will happen is that we will all be swallowed by monsters if you do that. Every single night ends with us at the pub and my character watching you two fight over a theory right. every and like, single night. We're at the night. point where I'm like drawing diagrams and doing like complex math problems to like show you the equations. Like if the city continues to expand at this rate and you try to slow it down, but the monsters are exponentially expanding at this rate, then there's actually no room for the people. And we cannot even create enough people to slay all of the monsters at that point because there's not enough space. And so we <laughs> are now at this point where we are, at, we and the monsters are consuming too many resources to expand the population but the monsters are going to continue expanding because they don't need the resources. We need the resources. And if you don't fill this, you know, this void of resources with by expanding the city then... <laughs> but can we find a spell big enough to destroy the origin of the monsters? They gotta come from somewhere. Gotta come from somewhere. Well, you, you would need enough. <laughs> you would need enough people to do the magic, and you can't have enough people to do the magic if the city doesn't continue to expand because you don't have the resources for the people. <laughs> You're talking to yourself in circles. We'll see what happens. One day we'll get there. One day, I'm sure we will get there. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is out there somewhere. And you're just, like, the whole time, I'm just like, no, everything is doomed to be this way forever. And you're like, mm, I'm sure we'll figure it out. <laughs> yep. And I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. It is figured out. People much smarter than you have already solved this problem and you are trying to unsolve it. Yeah. And you're like, no, I'm sure this way. We can figure it out. That's like your opinion, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love this dynamic already of like it's like very yeah, serious. I'm very like, good. no, we have we have the like we've already done it. We've already solved the problem. Please stop trying to unsolve the problem. Just because uh -huh. you don't like the solution doesn't mean you can unsolve it. <laughs> oh, very good. All right, what about Rasp? Poor, we know that you were Rasp. like scrappy and sort of like not classically trained. Yeah, so Rasp is is on the younger side, and the the training that. I have is largely through observing slayers that have moved through my district. So I think my district largely had had probably a, a pretty moderate to severe monster problem. So slayers were coming through pretty consistently. And I think I think for a while that the the district had to kind of fend for itself before district uh, slayers started coming in. And so people from the district would fight and they would fight very dirty and they would do whatever they had to do to survive against the monsters. And I think that's why Rasp has kind of picked up largely tactics that are involved in fighting dirty rather than fighting effectively against monsters. Um, and so I've mostly just observed my fellow district members fighting monsters. And then when the Slayers came in, finally, and I saw them fight, I started to realize, okay, if, if somebody could fight in an orchestrated way like these Slayers do, but use the tactics that I have learned, maybe this could be an interesting combination. And I think because Rasp is is young, it, not that kind of veteran that you might expect from a, a tactician who used to be a Slayer for a long time and now their body can't move the way that they want it to. Right. And so they use their, their wisdom. Instead, Rasp is quite young and inexperienced, which I think means a lot of Slayers are unwilling to 
work with Rasp in terms mm-hmm. of this stuff, which is, I think, why we have such a an interesting dynamic where two people who might not typically work with each other because of their right. <laughs> vastly different ideologies. Um like we we're kind of three almost misfits in our in our way that we think about things or in how we align with each other. Yeah. And Rasp is willing to work with anybody. He just wants a chance to get out there and do this thing. Um I think is incredibly naive as a result of uh, his inexperience and uh just just thinks the monster slaying is interesting and fascinating and yeah. so has decided to pair up with anybody. Um so in terms of like the question of will it ever end? I don't think Rasp wants it to end. Mm. Not because he has any belief that the city needs to expand or anything like that, but this is the most exciting thing that has ever happened in his life. He's finally out out of his monster-ridden district and is like paired up with two proper slayers and is excited to just go out there and just see what the city has to offer and see how what he has learned works, if it works at all. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Which yeah. I think is going to get him into like a lot of trouble and like probably mess up a lot of fights. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. imagine Raz is going to give a lot of bad advice in early fights <laughs> and then like start to understand that you can't fight the same way every single time. And so mm-hmm. I think a lot of it will be learning, learning how to not always fight dirty and learning like how to support my slayers rather than trying to take down enemies. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, I think that's kind of the trajectory I see Rasp moving in. Mm-hmm. Oh, I really like that. I like that a lot. Oh, it's so good. I, I, I also like, no matter how many times we disagree on it, the monsters are still a problem, right? Right. So yeah, we like, still got to go do our job. We still got to do our job. So like, it's like, yeah, someday maybe we'll figure it out and we don't have to fight any monsters anymore. It'd be fine. And we can just retire and relax. It's okay. But like, uh, we see monsters. We're like, well, time to roll up our sleeves and do the thing, and and just absolutely wreck the battlefield. Yeah, I imagine a lot of the nights again are like you two having your debate at the pub, and then Rasp eventually shows up, puts down like a bag of coins or whatever that I've negotiated for our next job. You're like, all right, well, time to wrap up this conversation. I got our next job for right. us. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll settle this after the yep. next one. I'm sure. See you next time. Sure to be uh-huh. great. <laughs> yeah M- many a uh a bar table filled with scratches of uh. like <laughs> reasonings and <laughs> right. theories and yep yeah 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 i like the idea of like this youngest character in our group constantly having to be like mom dad stop fighting <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> there's a monster under my right, bed and we on, need to kill it right. mom and dad <laughs> yep. stop fighting with each other <laughs> you both make very good points but it's time to go now there's uh-huh. actually a monster in my closet and i need <laughs> us to go kill it please uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. oh yes. now now i'm picturing a uh a pack of slayers uh where you are parents fighting monsters in a never expanding house for to protect your children pretty good there you go there you go no more no more games ryan no more games i know it's fine no more games it's fine uh i love this one more i love this one more I know. Just, right. it's, let me let me just write this down real quick. I promise I won't do anything with it. I'm just gonna write. It down. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> famous last words. Uh huh. <laughs> Five more minutes. Ah. Uh. Yep. Yep. 
Okay. Well, finally, we're going to get in our, into our advancement discussion and take it up a level. Take it up a level. Take it up a level. Where Amelia mm-hmm. makes the face because she's mad at Ryan about a stupid pun. <laughs> Uh, in this segment, we like to talk about how character advancement works um, and how growth, uh, character growth happens in the system. So let's start with how characters level up in this game. Mm. Um, we know there's basic advancements and then, um, I can't remember what Expert advances. I was like, advanced advances? No, that's not right. <laughs> Super advances. <laughs> yeah, you advance and then you like really advance. <laughs> True advances. Yeah. I mean it this um, time. <laughs> The uh, the character creation is pretty straightforward. There's no experience that's marked or anything like that that marks a level up or anything like that. Um, instead, at the end of every hunt, which is the mission that you go on to uh, take out a monster in whatever district, at the end of that hunt, you all advance, uh, regardless of the success of the hunt, because mm. you learn from your failures just like you learn from your successes. And so your characters will become more effective regardless of if you did a good job or a bad job. (laughs) Um, When you advance, there are some reflection questions that you are invited to answer um, to learn a little bit more about yourselves, learn about your connection to your fellow slayers. Um, So you ask yourselves, like, what did you learn about yourself as a result of this hunt? You might have realized that you see or do things differently. Or what did you learn about an ally during the hunt? Um, would you have done anything differently? So <laughs> having approached the hunt one way, maybe you now realize approaching it another way is going to be helpful for you in the future. Um, and then what is something about this hunt that will stick with you for quite some time? You know, we don't want the monster hunting to feel like monotony where it is just another job, another job, right? We want there to be that element of something about each hunt is going to scar you either physically or (laughs) mentally you are going to remember something about this it will change who you are um so you're you're invited to answer one of those questions and then mechanically you do just three things one is you roll a d4 and you increase your maximum hp that way so there's some flex uh you know variability in terms of how much you increase this is why ryan has chosen hardy for example so Mm -hmm. that every time you level up you don't even have to roll that d4. You're always yeah. getting the four every single time. No, but for other, uh, for some of us, sometimes a level up is going to get us a good boost of health, and other times we're just going up one, and, and that's just the way that it is. Yeah. Um, our skills get better as well. The way that skill increases work is first you pick any skill that you have a d6 in, so something that you're only averaging, and you upgrade it to a d8. If eventually you've played long enough that all of your things are at at least a D8, then you do the same thing, but going from a D8 to a D10. So, I mean, you can imagine a scenario where you play long enough where you're th- everything goes from a D6 to a D8 to a D10. It'd be a long campaign, but it is technically possible. Mm-hmm. And so that shows that you're getting better with your skills. And then you get to choose an advance. Um, basic advances, the ones that we took during character creation, you can take those at any time. So you can continue to take more of those um, regardless of the kind of quote unquote level you are, mm-hmm. um, the expert advances, you can only take, start taking expert advances once you have at least five basic advances mm-hmm. marked. So you can't start taking those because those are the, as we, as we kind of saw during our character creation, those are kind of the game changers where you start to really ramp up what your character is capable of. Yeah. And so, um, you have to, you have to go do a couple of hunts before you're considered an expert in this. And so, uh, but you don't have to do a lot of hunts, right? Because this is a problem that 
Like D&D has level 20, but the amount of time you have to take to get to level 20 is is way too long, right? Mm-hmm. So just a few hunts. Really, it's only after three hunts because we start with two basic advances. So you're going to mark three more after three hunts. And now you're it's game for you to be able to start taking those expert advances. So mm-hmm. after your third hunt, you get to start seeing your character really do their thing especially well. I, uh, and that's that's advancement. You do that every time at the end of a hunt. I really like answering those questions. Um, mm. As our listeners will know, my least favorite thing <laughs> is when you get an advancement and it has nothing to do with what narratively happened in the game. My my core example is we just went dungeon diving and now I have the sailing skill. And mm. it bothers my brain. So I like having these questions to answer to be like, mm-hmm. okay, what happened? What changed? How does this affect me? And mm-hmm. and then what does what does that mean for my character now? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it it has those those narrative like consequences kind of built right into it as well. Right. Of like, yeah, this I have to answer one of these questions. Once I do, then I get those extra mechanical bonuses, which is really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I like it. I love it. Plus, it's simple. It is. It is. Yes. That's the name of my games. I know. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Yep. No, going back to check what percentage I can increase the skill to based on where I got it from in character mm. creation. Ryan, looking at yep. you. Looking at you. I know. I know. <laughs> can't wait to cover can't wait to cover curbs. Very excited. I know. I'm very excited. <laughs> uh well well Spencer, anything anything else you wanna uh, tell us about Slayers before we head out for this episode? Um, I mean, nothing, I mean, nothing really jumps at the top of my mind other than, you know, if you, if this sounds cool and the things that we kind of touched on sound cool, there's so much more Slayers out there, like both quote unquote official and third party that the game is infinitely expanding and Mm -hmm. you have the capacity to kind of find the ways for you to engage with it in whatever way you want, right? The, the Slayers Almanac, for example, has nothing mechanical in it. So you could technically pick that up for any campaign you're running if you just want some cool city districts. But if mm. you want to fit, if you're not sure how to populate your infinite city, there's 10 really cool districts right there that you can pick up. Or if you want to deep dive into one district, the dust supplement says, all right, here's everything you need to know about this place. It is factions, it's adventure hooks, it's a new class, it's new monsters. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, there's so many third party things out there for whatever thing is gonna like scratch that itch in your mind of this is what fun is to me mm-hmm. someone has probably found a way to translate it to slayers or you could do it yourself and i think it's in an approachable enough way that i think most folks could find a way to like dip their toes into design with something like slayers mm-hmm. so yeah i'm just really proud of it and i'm excited that people still get excited about it after you know it's been out for uh, a little while and there's still people who are discovering it and i I just appreciate when people are like, hey, I played this game and it was really cool. So yeah. I thank you for letting me be here and talk about how char- even yeah. character creation is I'm cool. I'm so <laughs> excited that we got to talk about this game because it really is. It Yeah, it tickles my brain. I like it. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I like it because I wanted to, darn it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, Spencer, thank you so much for joining us to talk about Slayers. I really, really enjoyed learning about this game. Thank you so much for having me. I, you know, I really appreciate the the time to be able to talk about it, and uh, I'm 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 in love with these characters we've made. I've made them. They're so good. 
What a fun little group we have here. I want to, I want to watch them argue every fun, single night. Fun little antagonistic found family. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, can you remind everyone where they can find you online and what sort of things you're working on? Absolutely. So you can follow me online everywhere uh, under Gila RPGs, G-I-L-A-R-P-G's. That's uh, Twitter. Uh, GilaRPGs.com is my website. Uh, that has links to my itch page where you can get PDFs and digital versions. It has links to my store where you can get uh, the physical printed copies of my games. Um, so yeah, if you if you search that, search Gila RPGs anywhere, that's pretty much where you'll find me on the internet. Um, and then the things that I'm working on are numerous. Uh, I am currently <laughs> working on a rune hack that is a necromancy themed hack uh, so you are a powerful necromancer roaming around doing cool necromancer stuff um i've got about five different nova supplements that i'm actively working on right now um and it, it nova never stops so mm-hmm. i've got uh, i've been sharing some cool art on twitter so if you want to see some of the cool stuff that's being uh working on uh, that's uh, been going on um including a game called dusk where you get to play as the enemy factions in nova you get to be one of the Corvus or the Hellions or the Cultists. Mm. Speaking of weird found families, you have banded together (laughs) and are trying to survive in the dusk, which is a horrible place to live, uh, especially with those sparks out there trying to kill you. So uh, that is another one that I'm working on. And Mm. there's probably other things. And I've got I've got a document that tries to keep me on track and it doesn't work. So uh, there's 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 always something out there. (laughs) Find Spencer. He's doing stuff. Yeah, uh-huh. and, and then also uh, lamenting that he's doing stuff. Right. Uh-huh. He goes, I can't. I can't do, do other stuff. There's too much stuff. I can uh-huh. only do one stuff at a time. That's it's, not fair. It's not fair. It's I need fair. more more Spencers. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, well, thank you again so much for sitting down with us. This was absolutely a blast. Um, and thank you to everyone for tuning in. We'll be back next month. Call to watch action. Yeah, like that. I'm excited that people finally get to hear the fan fiction portion for this one. Oh because I've goodness. been, when we get to this section of our call to action, mm-hmm. every time I'm like, don't say anything about it yet. Because I haven't heard that part. So <laughs> now people finally get to to hear about the potential mystery that's unfolding uh, oh, that we'll yeah. never have answers to. Um, oh, and and our our friendly uh, rivalry, academic rivalry, rivalry. Yes, <laughs> yes, and uh, poor Rasp who has to just continually uh-huh. break up the mom, dad, stop fighting. Yep, yep. Got the uh, the the highest strung academic type uh, versus the dude. Apparently, mm-hmm. <laughs> versus uh, versus just rasp, just sitting there in the corner, like I'm in danger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in danger. Yeah, yeah. I I definitely love this group of characters, and I really it's so much fun. Have said it a bajillion times, but the asymmetrical mm-hmm. character mechanics just mm, chef's kiss. So good. So good. Yeah, absolutely check this game out. My goodness. Mm-hmm. It is good stuff. It really, really uh, is. But we have we have a lot to talk yes. about in this call yes. to action. Okay, enough about the stuff that this podcast was about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> enough about games. Yeah. Dear listeners, this is our last regularly scheduled episode for March. We have a few more things planned for the Patreon. Um, But that's not what we're here to talk about today. Right now, 
we want to talk about our upcoming five-year anniversary of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Sunday, April 2nd, will mark five years that we've been doing this show. Yeah. And what a five years it's been. What a journey. Uh, what a journey. Ryan, a lot's <laughs> happened. You uh, had yeah. another kid. I was married at the start and now I am not. Uh-huh. Um, just, just a lot happening. Lots um, happening. <laughs> Uh, in celebration, we are going to be doing a bit extra during this next two months, um, and we mm-hmm. can't wait to reveal what we have planned. Uh, so we're going to do that right now. We're going to reveal it right now. So right now? So can't wait. So we're going to be doing that, yeah. Right now? Uh, this minute? Right now, right now. Okay. This, this very minute. Okay. Uh, oh, so over the past couple months, uh, Amelia and I have been planning a Patreon drive together. Uh, for the months of April and May to mark this momentous occasion. Uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash character creation cast and sign up at any time at this point. Uh, but to start things off, uh, we are setting two goals for ourselves. Uh, if we hit the $100 per month in pledges goal, uh, we will offer everyone at the $5 and higher tiers a set of three custom D6 dice from Chessex in our signature colors. This goes for all existing patrons at that level as well. And dare I say, the renders that we got back are phenomenal. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm really excited for that. At the $200 a month mark, we are able to start offering an option for people to back annually at a discounted rate. So it'll be a good deal, but we can Mm -hmm. only do that once we have $200 a month. If we get there by the end of May, then we will also offer everyone at the $5 and up level a free enamel pin. I am working on a design that blends our magical girl and necromancer aesthetics along with our signature C3 branding. Mm -hmm. Um, It's going to be fantastic once it all comes together. Um, And we'll have more info on that as we get closer to that $200 goal. Mm Mm-hmm. And going forward after the campaign, uh, all new $5 and higher signups will get one set of the dice as long as we have an address to send it to. Uh, This is in addition to the custom thank you card from Amelia and myself. Uh, Amelia, of course, creates the cards and she does a fantastic job. Um, And that's worth it in and of itself. But now you get dice too. Yeah. Uh, but this uh, Patreon drive is the only time you'll be able to get the pin also at the $5 level if we hit that $200 mark. If you sign up at the $10 and higher level, that tier also comes along with the dice and the thank you cards, as well as Zoom sessions with the two of us and other patrons at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, those have been a ton of fun and much cheaper than therapy, although, uh, disclaimer, we are not therapists. No. Uh, no one on that call is a therapist. Um, <laughs> we cannot guarantee it will help as much as therapy, but it has been changing some lives already. We've, we've got a little um, accountability group and we're, we're, we're all working together on some stuff. It's been yeah, really great. That's accountability with three C's. It's, yes. <laughs> No. <laughs> uh, but I think it's well worth the $10 a month. So I think so, too. Uh, yeah. We will have all of this and so much more happening these two months. Uh, we'll also be making a couple Patreon-exclusive episodes available to the public uh, with some uh, quick cold opens and calls to actions added on to those episodes to update where we are on the campaign. 
uh, to really give us that telethon feel. I kind of want that that sort of like, the, like, hey, NPR pledge drive kind yes, of feel. Yes, yes. Yeah. Here's where we're at, people. Uh, call now and reserve your spot in the Patreon. Yep. Or something like that. Yep. It should be a lot of fun, uh, and we can't wait to launch all of that for you. Uh, and just a reminder, if you sign up the day this episode releases at the $5 and up level, uh, you will be eligible for all these rewards if we hit those levels. So think about helping us out. Um, we want to give you some really cool stuff, and we we think that you'll really enjoy um, again, all of this will be in our newsletter because we've talked a lot and thrown a lot of numbers around. Mm-hmm. But if we add more people, we'll also be able to thank all of them personally right here, right now, like we are going to do, starting with Lieutenant. Thank you. DJ G, Tegrasaurus, you rock. Thank you. We are so glad to have your support, Eric Bonds. Thank you so much. Shadim Kabal, we are happy to have you here with us as well. Thank you. Many thanks to Daryl Holiday II. Thanks to the Shyest Barbarian. So glad to have you backing us. Benjamin Sweeney, thanks. Lorcan McGinnis, we're happy to have you here with us. Thank you. Rob Fletcher, we are so happy you are here too. Thank you. Kevin Brown, many thanks to you. Tentacle Dog, thank you. <laughs> And thanks to John Adamus. So glad to have you here with us. We appreciate your support. A3 Sketchpad, thank you. Uh, Thank you to Cole McCallum. And Carlos Salazar. We are really happy to have you with us. Thank you. And thank you to all of our future patrons and to those joining us during the Patreon drive and to everyone else celebrating these last five years with us. Check out patreon.com slash charactercreationcast in order to join this list of fantastic folks and to help us usher in a new year for the podcast itself. And if all of this went over your heads, you can find more about it in our monthly newsletter at newsletter.charactercreationcast.com. In addition to all of that excitement, mm-hmm. we also have a brand new review. Um, this one came in from Mint and Rabbits from Canada on iTunes, and it's titled A Treasure Trove. I love listening to this podcast. It's not only a great introduction to new games, but the hosts and their guests take some time to talk about how the characters act as a window into how the game works. In a world where there's never enough time to play all of the games, Character Creation Cast surely helps at least touch on a lot of them. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Love the username as well. That's a very good username. Uh, It made me smile reading Mint and Rabbits. So, yeah, yeah, thank you so much. Uh, Really happy to get that review. And that really, really made my day when I saw that earlier. It does. We we love new reviews. Absolutely. Again, uh, thank you all so much for joining us and listening to this extra long call to action. Uh, We promise these won't be as long during the Patreon drive. We'll try to contain ourselves. (laughs) Uh, But until then, uh, take care of yourselves, stay safe out there, drink some water, take some calming breaths, enjoy the rest of your week, and keep making those amazing people. We'll see you next time.
Character Creation Cast is a production of the One Shot Podcast Network and can be found online at www.charactercreationcast.com. Head to the website to get more information on our hosts, this show, and even our press kit. Character Creation Cast can be found on Twitter at CreationCast or on our Discord server at discord.charactercreationcast.com. I'm one of your hosts, Amelia Antrim, and I can be found on Twitter at Ginger Reckoning or on my other podcast, Garbage of the Five Rings. Our other host, Ryan Bolter, can be found on Twitter at Lord Neptune or online at lordneptune.com. Music for this episode is used with a Creative Commons license or with permission from the podcast it originated from. Further information can be found within the show notes. Our main theme music is Hero Remix by Steve Combs and is used with a Creative Commons license. This podcast is owned by us under Creative Commons. This episode was edited by the absolutely fantastic Ryan Bolter. Further information for the game system used in today's guests can also be found in the show notes. If you'd like to support our show, find us on Patreon. Get access to bonus episodes, extra outtakes, and much, much more at patreon.com slash character creation cast. Thanks for joining us. And remember, we find the best part of any role-playing game is character creation. So go out there and create some amazing people. We'll see you next time. it yeah. wow that was perfect there we go i i like hearing that everybody did the record button perfectly <laughs> i did i just hit it right now i just lied to make it seem oh, no. like i did it right <laughs> oh no well hey you saying that uh i can line that up perfectly now. no i'm kidding though but That's, now I'm, no now no I'm really no, no no it's too late you already said <laughs> yeah. it no i will never <laughs> know which one's the right one <laughs> one of us no lies. one of us always lies and one of us always tells the truth <laughs> Oh no. Oh no. One of us has real waveforms. One of us just pretended to click the button. <laughs> Someone made a click sound with their mouth. Oh no. You've got yours all saddled away. You know what you're going for? That's, I, I mean, I know, <laughs> I know what I want. I know what I'm about. Fair. <laughs> I, like I said, when I first read it two years ago, apparently I highlighted one in green. This I was like, it. this is it. This is what we're doing. So. Just stay true to myself. How is this coffee cold already? Did you just rewarm it? it? I just made it, Ryan. I just poured it from the pot. Oh. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to go put my creamer away, and then I'm going to warm this up for like 30 seconds, and then we can start. I'm sorry. I can't drink my coffee. That's fine. (laughs) All right. We can can stop this recording here uh, and save it off. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. Like a Real professional. Good. Did it. It's there. No more fake clickies this time. <laughs> this time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I didn't check the last one. So when I'm coming back from my shirt, I'm. It's gonna be the worst click experience of your life. It'll be <laughs> <I> chaos. <laughs> the sixth series is, is just gonna be like pure pandemonium. <laughs> mm-hmm.
Mm-hmm. Since he'll be over there like eating on mic and like, <laughs> yeah. like trying to stop me. <laughs> just dog like barking in the background. <laughs> just <laughs> taking a big chunk of cheese out of him. <laughs> mm. Yeah. yeah. Mm, sharp cheddar. <laughs> <laughs> if I combine it with this mild cheddar at the same time <laughs> and some crackers. Mm, get a little crunch in there. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. got to get the crunch. Perfect. Perfect audio. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I will count us in and then we will start part two. All right. All right. Woo! Gotta find that stop button. There we go.